every year as the budget comes out, the annual budget comes out, there is a separate parallel discussion on the defense component of the budget, the defense budget. And then there is a lot of complaining, there is a lot of worry because then the wide view is, look, defense is a very popular thing, right? Defense is a very popular issue. So people want more money going to the armed forces. People of India love their armed forces. So they would like more money to go to them, better weapons to go to them, better technologies to go to them. And then they notice that year after year after year, the defense, defense budget or defense allocation as a percentage of India's GDP, if anything, is declining a little marginally. Marginally, say this year, for example, it's just fallen for the first time in a long time since I remember, just a little below 2%. So depending on how you calculate, you can calculate it from 1.97% of the GDP as defense writer Ajay Shukla has done or 2.17 as our defense editor Snehesh Alex Philip has done. So generally, as a percentage of the GDP, this has been the lowest in a long time. So you might say, how does it square with Modi government's promise of being so robust on national security? That, that's one issue. The second thing is, the second thing is something that we've talked about often enough. Almost every year, if not every year, almost every other year, after the annual budget, we also have an episode of Cut the Clutter on the defense component or the military component on the budget. So I will take you back to the first of these, the first of these in the Cut the Clutter series. I might have written many, many, many national interest articles on this, but go back to episode 205 of which I am sharing a link with you. That, that debates some of these issues and in that debate, we have tried to explain what is the GDP and what is the national expenditure or national budget? So allocation under a particular head may not be going up as a percentage of GDP, but the GDP is rising in the country. So once because your GDP grows nominally at anything between 10, 13, 14 percent, that is your real growth plus inflation, that is much more than your real growth or what is called as headline growth. For example, this year we are expecting 6.8%, but if you add 6.8% plus inflation, etc., that will be the nominal GDP. So GDP is rising every year. Something is 2% of GDP, which is say 100 this year. Next year it is 105 and your allocation is still 2%. Now it's 2% of 105. So the amount allocated is going up. Once again, is the amount allocated keeping pace for the inflation? That is, you will have to have an economist to understand that. At least have to, you, you will have to have basic knowledge of economics. But any reasonable person would say that, you know, 2% of GDP or thereabouts, 2, 2 to 2.2% of GDP, we are such a large country, we can afford to allocate more to our defense. That's a popular view. In fact, if you look at Japan, Japan was in a way treaty bound to keep its defense budget below 1% of its GDP and they did, did so for a long time. But now if you see the new defense perspective plan that Kishida has unveiled, he's talking about doubling this. So Japan is doubling its defense allocation from 1% to 2% of GDP. You know how big Japan's GDP is on a very small population relative to India. So this will be a lot of money going into defense. in. In, in Japan. But can India do those things? So that is where, first of all, first of all, we have to set aside, we have to put aside the guns versus butter debate. Because what is the GDP? GDP belongs to all of us. I say this like a broken record. 
GDP belongs to all of us. GDP is what I earn, what you earn, what your Uber driver earns, right? When you pay your Uber driver. In fact, I used exactly the same Uber driver example in episode 205. It is what the Prime Minister of India earns by way of his salary. This is or the Panwala outside your office building or, or, the, or the Kabadiwala in your neighborhood earns. So all of that adds up to GDP. GDP does not belong to the government. What belongs to the government is the taxes the government collects, the borrowings the government makes because governments borrow to finance deficit. This year, for example, Nimla Sitaraman said in her annual budget that India may borrow about 15 lakh, a little over 15 lakh crores and the market seemed a sigh of relief because markets thought that the deficit would be much higher and she'll borrow a lot more. So in fact, India's sovereign bonds actually actually improved a little bit after she said she'll borrow as much but anyway that's a digression i'm bringing you back i only went there to try and make you understand what is it that belongs to the government so what belongs to the government is a total tax collection and whatever other earnings government is government may sell assets it may privatize its psus it may sh sell its shares held in private companies through what is called a suti or it may borrow all of that belongs to the government and all of that is then spent. What matters more than the GDP is what the government expenditure is. Now this is where we come to the tricky part. If you look at the government expenditure and this is very interesting that this has happened under the Modi government which is like a strong national security government which makes national security much more overtly and much more strongly a part of its political proposition to the voters than say the UPA government did before that or several other United Front and other governments did even, even more than what the Vajpayee government did. Now see 2012, 2012 defense is 16.38% of our national expenditure, the overall budget. This is not GDP. So it may have been 2.2.3% of GDP because as a percentage of GDP, the defense budget has remained somewhere there. But of the overall budget, it was 16.38%. In 2012, see the chart as it runs on your screens, right? See the chart, it is quite, it's quite instructive. You, you, you begin somewhere here, then you go a little higher. So 2017, it peaks at almost 17.84 of the government expenditure, of the government budget. Again, it was probably about 2.3% or 2.25% of India's GDP, but 17.84% of the government expenditure for the year or the budget. 18, it remained about the same, 17.73. 19, again about the same, it declined just marginally, 17.43. This is as government budgets are going up and also your, also your GDP is growing. 2020, it begins to decline. It comes to 16.86. 2021, it declines further as a percentage of your national budget. That is 13.84. 2022, 13.33 of the national budget or the national expenditure. Today, 2023, in the budget that's been presented, it's 13.31 of the national budget or national expenditure. That is the important graphic. You see this, you see this going up like this as Modi government takes over from UPA. Then you see it moderating, moderating, moderating and now this has moderated rather steeply. At the same time, defense budget has continued going up because as we, as we keep repeating and we must keep repeating because these points can get lost. 
our GDP is enlarging and the national budget or the national expenditure is enlarging. Now you might say, first of all you might say, why, why not 4% of India's GDP? Now it was 4% of India's GDP only once. That was under Rajiv Gandhi, it went to went a little bit closer to 4.2-4.22% of India's GDP and God forbid if a war breaks out even now a lot of the equipment India will fight with was paid for in that period including the mirages. That apart that caused many other problems. If you went to 4% now a lot of the people particularly, particularly in the veterans community want 4% then see what happens. To understand that you have to understand where does our budget go? Now, if you look at our budget or national expenditure, defense is still by far the largest single head, the largest single head with the exception of interest payments because government of India borrows all the time. This year also they are going to borrow 15 trillion rupees, right? So there are interest payments for that. Governments can't default, right? Uh, Pakistani government, see how much they are struggling for fear of default. Sri Lanka went through a default. It is a terrible thing for a government to default, for a sovereign to default. India never has and never will. So India pays a lot of interest every year. So interest payment is the only head that is bigger than defense in our budget. Defense otherwise, if you leave out, leave out the payments, it is the biggest. What is the next? The next is all subsidies, all subsidies including food subsidies and this comes to about 9% today, right? I have not made a precise calculation but it, this moves in that ballpark and ballpark is enough. About 9% of which food subsidy would be about two-thirds. Again, expenditure on rural development will be about between 4 to 5% of your national budget. Health would be about 2.4 to 3% of your national budget or maybe between 2 and 3% of your national budget. Education, this year education allocation is the highest ever. It's a lakh and 12,000 crores. See the education allocation is a lakh and 12,000 crores, the highest in our history. At the same time, defense is 5,93,000 something crores. So you can see that in perspective. So education is about little over 3% of our budget. So if you add education, health, rural development and food subsidy, all four together, right? Defense still gets a larger, larger share of the national budget than all these four together. That is, that is food subsidy, food subsidy for the poorest, rural, rural development, health and education. Or if you take all subsidies, then you can throw in all subsidies plus health and plus at this point education or thereabouts, so give and take a little bit. So defense still consumes so much of our national budget. Do you want to pay more for defense? Sure, you can pay more for defense, but you can't stop paying your, paying your salaries for government staff, salaries, provenant fund, uh, pensions, etc. Government of India, forget uh, defense and armed forces because that is provided for in the defense budget. But government of India has a lot of salaries to pay. Even the paramilitary forces which, have now, which, are, now, which are now crossing the million strength, all of that costs a lot of money. So government can't stop paying all of that and government can't stop paying interest on its previous borrowings as well. So there isn't any spare money left. That money has to be then found by cutting something. So what do you cut? Can you cut health? We spend too little on health. Can we, set, can, can we cut from education? He spends too, too little on education. Can we cut from food subsidy? There will, will be chaos if you cut food subsidy. So these are the budgeting limitations and that's why the important thing is to find a solution so that the limited resources 
can be employed well. And it is in the light of that that we assess some of the subtle changes in this budget. If so, if you see this budget, this budget does increase allocation in what is called as the, in, under the head, capital spending. Capital spending basically is the money that you spend to buy new equipment, to buy, to modernize new equipment, etc., etc. That has gone up by about 7-8%, not very much, has hardly kept pace with even inflation. But see where the bulk of that is gone. So very interestingly, the largest amount out of that, about 57,000 crores out of lakh and 62, has gone to the Air Force. So Air Force has got more than others. Now Air Force is unlikely to order any new aircraft and new systems this year, but possibly Air Force is also paying for Rafale and other purchases, plus a lot of the helicopters the Air Force has been buying. Plus the Air Force is buying some missiles, particularly for its aircraft. These Brahmos look great. Uh, Brahmos are being tried on Sukhoi 30 with great success, but Brahmos also cost money. So the Air Force is spending money on continuing modernization. That's 57,000 crores. Navy gets the second largest amount under the capital head. That is 52,000 crores, again because the Navy is building capital assets. The Army it is, which gets much less than both of these. That's because Army also gets, Army already gets a much higher share of the larger budget because of salary and pension. So Army is not left with that much more for modernization. It's also true that the kind of equipment the Army needs is not of such high costs. Individual cost of those equipments is not so high. Capital assets of the kind that an Air Force has or capital assets of the kind say a Navy has, a submarine costs a lot more money than maybe a submarine costs more than a couple of tank regiments, right? Or I don't precisely know the numbers. It depends also on what tanks will those regiments have and what missiles those regiments will have or what missiles or torpedoes or electronics will the submarine has. But I'm just giving you a larger example that the army does not have such visible capital assets, but the army needs volumes. Again, if you cut, cut and dice the budget further, then you see the allocation made for salaries. It is the highest ever. Allocation made for pensions, it is not the highest ever. Last year, allocation for pensions was not that much. Allocation for pensions last year in the budget estimates were only 1.19 like, lakh crores. But then OROP up, update came, so a lot of arrears were to be paid. So actual spending on pensions last year was 1.53 lakh crores. It went up really high. This year, it's beginning to moderate. It's 138. It still has an arrears element. In the subsequent years, it will probably become less. But right now, it is very high. And that leaves very little for modernization. Now, if you look at the third head, which is revenue spending, that's very interesting. If you look at the revenue spending, that again has gone up in the same, in the same ratio as the rest. But there is one element there which has risen greatly, which has risen substantively. And what exactly that is? For that, you read Snehesh Alex Phillips' story that we ran yesterday. That is on the budget day, and I'm sharing a link with you. He, he told us in that story that last year, revised estimates, the overall spending under what is called acquisitions in the revenue budget. This is the revenue budget besides salaries, etc. Capital budget is acquisitions, revenue budget is fixed cost, salaries, etc., etc., what corporate world would call fixed costs. In fact, if you look at the Indian Armed Forces and look at their budget, their fixed costs are upwards of 
70% of their overall budget or allocation. Only about 27% is left for capital acquisitions and modernizations, equipment buying. Nevertheless, coming back to the non-salary pension bar part of the revenue budget, right? If you look at that, or the non-salary part of the revenue budget, pensions are a separate category by themselves. The total spending last year, after having been revised during the year from a lower figure, was 62,431 crores. This year, 90,000 crores has been allocated. This is a neat increase of 44%. Now, where is this going? What will this be used for? This is not going towards salaries. This is not going towards building golf courses. Where is it going? This is going towards buying, mostly towards buying more ammunition and more fuel because Indian armed forces need to stock up. Now, to understand this, I take you back to an article that Snehesh Alex Philip had done after interviewing then Chief of Defence Staff General Rawat, who unfortunately passed away uh, in a tragic accident. I had accompanied Snehesh Alex Philip in that interview, so I sat through that interview, where General Rawat explained to us, he explained to us that, look, after Udi, we realised that it's one thing, it's one thing to say we are always ready to fight, fight a war. But what kind of a war are we ready to fight? He said after Udi, we realized that we did not even have enough, enough stores, enough ammunition, fuel, etc. to fight an intense war for 10 days. He said 10 days you need to be able to fight a war. And he said, and we thought, all right, let's stock up for a 10-day war. So you, when you stock up, when armed forces stock up, that's called building war wastage reserves which means when a war happens, you consume a lot of this ammunition. You, keep, you can see what's happening to Russia now. You st see stories all the time. Russians run short of missiles, they run short of artillery shells. Ukrainians run short of missiles, they run short of artillery uh, shells. Because wars then consume these things. These are consumables of war, essential consumables of war. And these needs to be replaced and you need to have at least a minimum supply in your stores. So General Rawat then said that Indian Armed Forces realized that they did not have stores even for 10 days of intense fighting in Pakistan. So initially they built enough ammunition and fuel for 10 days of intense fighting. And he said in that, in that story, and you can see in that story the quote from General Rawat, he said, if we can't win a war with Pakistan in 10 days, then there is no point of a war. But then the Chinese came knocking at our doors rudely in Ladakh. Once that happened, you have to again imagine a two-front situation and that too General Robert talked about. And he said that, look, Chinese will not fight an intense war with us for a long time. Chinese will fight, if at all, a protracted war for, with us. And that protracted war may go on for 30 days. So we have to now stock up for 30 days of protracted war, which might, might, might be intense for two days or three days, again goes into, goes into a stall. Now we see in Ukraine something like that has happened. Right now there is a stalemate. So there is, there is fighting, but it's not intense fighting on a large front. So he said with China something like that might happen. So we now have to stock up for 40 days of fighting, 10 days of intense war and 30 days of protracted warfare, protracted but still quite intense warfare. And that's why India needs to stock up for ammunition, spears, missiles, artillery shells, etc., etc., has gone up. Again, if you look at that story of Snehesh's from four years ago, that mentions that our tanks, for example, at that point, were very short of a particular ammunition which tanks need for piercing other tanks. It's called APFSDS. You will see a picture of the shell. 
that is that is armor piercing fin stabilized discarding sabo right so that shell itself costs about 4 lakhs a piece and at that point in the indian army did not have enough to allocate even one shell per tank so those shortages are being made up and now there is a feverish pace to filling up these empty godowns these empty filling up these empty godowns and also improving the logistics you see in the same budget a very heavy allocation for the railways you see the allocation for border roads has been hiked you see the allocation for highways has been hiked right all of that all of that helps build india's military effort or defensive posture so right now we pick up these as very significant military pointers from our defense budget even though the defense budget remains pretty much frozen much to the disappointment of our veterans community of our serving armed forces and also many experts on the military